happy Monday, beautiful people. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Lemonade Lands, the world's number one podcast where you get your mind, your body, and your money business flowing. I'm your co-host, Nicola. And I'm your co-host, Lincoln. And together, and together we, would like we would like to squeeze, squeeze your lemon. What's up, Nicola? You got the cold the cold Give me, give me, give me, give me that. Good morning, cake. Lincoln. Happy Monday. How are you today? I'm doing super duper fantastic and espialidocious and all the above. Awesome. And awesome. you? I'm I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing I feel well. Like my breasts are growing, Nicola. A bus hit me the other day, a school bus. Yeah, bus, I remember you uh, told me. Yeah, an insurance company <laughs> called me. <laughs> I'm explaining where the, where, the, where the thing hit me, right? Mm-hmm. I said, it hit me up, um, my, uh, I was a lady on the phone, and I said, mm-hmm. it hit me on um, my right breast area, right? And she goes, oh, you mean your pecs? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, oh, yeah, oops, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. Peck. <laughs> Men don't have breasts. We have pecs. <laughs> it was so funny when she said that. Uh, it's like, don't talk about breast. Okay, don't mm-hmm. be rude. <laughs> you know what? Men do have breasts. That's why some men have breast cancer. That's what they call it. They don't call it pet cancer. They call it. I know. Cancer. It's funny, right? You know. All right. Just, just clarifying things. Um, we, it yeah. seems like everything just needs to be clarified nowadays. Every. So my daughter time. was here the other day, and and uh, she came and she hugged me and she put her head on my my chest and she goes, mm-hmm. Dad. She looked at me and she goes, Dad, you need to start exercising. Your breasts are bigger than mine. <laughs> I was like, What the? What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> she goes, Yes, Dad. <laughs> You got to start doing some push-ups, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you do. So do I. We're kids, all kids are so, they're so amazing, right? They're very honest. Yeah, very honest. Uh, but she's, you know, she's encouraging me. She goes, Dad, yeah, you know, I need you around. You better, you know. And she's encouraging me. I say, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Come on, we can do it. You know, Just that, so amazing. That, this kid, I love this kid, man. She's so incredible. That's true, because I went through something similar with my daughter the other day. She said, Mommy. Can I be honest with you? I said, sure. You know, you can always be honest with me. And she said, you know what? Your arms, they've gotten really big. Wow. You put on some weight. And I, yeah. I, I appreciated her honesty because mm. um, I needed to know that. And it's you need that. I could you, tell in my clothes. Yeah, we, we need to be open to things like this, you know, because um, they, they got to be, uh, they got to know that they could come to us with this level of honesty and mm-hmm. we're not going to, uh, you know, snap back at them. And, you know, just like what our parents would do. Cause if I go to my mom with honesty, I get, I get cut down, you know, I get like still cussing and cut down and all those things. Right. Not now, not at this time because of her illness that mm-hmm. she's in, she don't even know. I don't, I don't talk to her about anything like that right now, but before, you know, for years, you know, I say, I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest. I love you. That's why I'm telling you this. I'm not telling you this out of because I want you to be angry. But the man, they just, you know, because in Jamaica, the, 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 the idea for children is that um, you're supposed to be seen and not really heard. You know. I don't know if it's in Jamaica or if that's a biblical thing. <laughs> I think it's more of a. It could be just like a black thing too, because I don't see, I don't see that in the white community. I'm, Certain things I see in the white community. I've been around 
the whites for about 30 years of my life and I literally left the Jamaican community because of, I wanted to learn English properly and school wasn't the way to do it. I had to be able to speak it. And that was my only way to dive deep into it. And some of the ways I see they treat their children and conversations they have and stuff like that. And some of the way I see the children treat the parents, I'm thinking... I couldn't do that. My mom, I lose a couple of teeth if I say words like that, right? Even now at my age, you know? And, but some of these kids are like, and the parents forgive them. You know, they, 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 the words they use, F you, I hate you, and this and that, and gunk. And I'm like, what? Yeah, girl, that, you want to die? That's <laughs> interesting. I, I, I can relate to a lot of that. Like, um, for instance, one of the quotes in the Bible is other honor your mother and father so that your days will be longer. Mm. So a lot of black people that I was raised around, those are the words they were raised with. Right. So they live by it. And they mm. live by it. Mm. So I have an uncle. He's now in his eighties and I call him, his name is George, uncle George. And I'll call him just to check in on him, see how he's doing. And he'll say, Nikki, you haven't called me in a long time. Why haven't you called me? I said, Uncle George, I'm the one calling you now. And I called you last. But I'm your elder. You need to respect me and you need to call me, right? Yeah, yeah that's all <laughs> And I that's how he looks at it because he's now older. I should be respecting him. He doesn't have to call me. He doesn't have to do anything. And this is respect. I call him. the same thing. So even if I even if he doesn't call me, it's fine because he's older. He's so older. in other words, he doesn't have to respect me, but I need to no. respect him. My mother's the same thing. It's said, also, Why should I call? They need to call me. That's her attitude. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, that's how they are now that they're older because that's how yeah. they were raised. And my father is very similar mm -hmm. because my father is turning 82. And um, he will say, Nikki, you haven't called me in ages. And I'm like, you know, you could pick up the phone and call me too. No, it's your turn to call me. If you don't hear from me, you should call me. Right. And yeah. I'm also teaching my mother that as well. My mother yeah. is 72. Yeah. I, I'm trying to teach her that you can pick up the phone and call me. So for instance, we might be having a conversation and something might happen and I'll say, okay, I have to go. I'll call you back. Mm -hmm. My mother will wait for me to call her in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. If I don't call her, she starts getting upset. Yeah. I may not call her the next day. She gets really upset. And then I completely forget because most likely it was an emergency or I had to take a phone call or something like that. Why you just created an enemy. <laughs> and then she gets really mad. So I will probably call her back maybe four days later, five days later. Yeah. You're just calling me back now. You said yeah. you'd call me right back. So she takes everything very literally because I yeah. did not call her back. And then she tends to hold that against me, right? Mm, so if something like that happens again the following week, she's going to be like, she says to me, so are you going to take a whole week to call me again? That kind of thing, right? Or she says, you know, you always do that. You always say you're going to do this and you don't do this. You say you're going to call me back. You don't call me back. You say this, 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 and this. So like, yeah. even like last week, um, my mom was coming by and something happened. My children got um, 
called in to do a, a, a movie, just to be an extra in a movie. So I instantly had to go and take them to do a COVID test, mm -hmm. right? Because for them to be on the set, they had to do a COVID test. So mm -hmm. I had to drive all the way to Brampton. Mm -hmm. I had to wait and it pushed my day backwards, right? Of course. And yeah, yeah. Yes. And my mom told me she was going to come by my house at 2 p.m. So mm -hmm. I had everything set to go. I did I did the COVID test and I went by my father's and then I messaged her, call me um, when you're on your way to my house, because you said you'll be home at 2 p.m. You're going to leave then to come to my house. When she responded, she was already on my, the way to my house. Right? Uh, she didn't wait for me, right? No. And then by the time I got home, she was so upset with me because I wasn't there waiting on her. Of but course. she had told me one thing, but because her schedule moved up, she didn't even message me or phone me to let me know. She was just on her way to my house. So when I got home, she was really upset with me because she had to wait on me. But it was a lot of communication, miscommunication. I should have called her. I should have told her right away. I thought I was doing the right thing by messaging her and waiting on her and deciding to pick her up instead of having her take public transit to my house, right? But that that's just how it was. And that leads me into this. Um, I went to a funeral over the weekend. I was um, my friend's father. He passed away. Um, I didn't really know much about her father. He passed away at a very young age, 73. Um, some heart issues, very sudden. Uh, he went back to school. He had a couple of degrees. He did his last degree. He graduated. He had a, I forgot what the degree was in, but this was his second degree at age 68, Lincoln. Nice. 68. I nice. think that's amazing story right mm. that tells me in my heart nicola when you say you can't do something it's you really not wanting to do it because if this man can do it at 68 what's your excuse mm. <clears throat> obviously anything you are doing is really an excuse if you don't follow through mm -hmm. so his son got up um on the podium and he told a story it's not exact i don't remember the exact words i'm paraphrasing so he had two younger brothers or two, yeah, two younger brothers and his father took all three of them to the track. Mm -hmm. And I believed it. they were running a race. I'm not sure if it was a 100 meter race, but they were running a race. And the father said, on your mark, get set, go. And the three boys are running for their life and they're running, running, running. And they're thinking, oh, I'm going to win. I'm so tired, but I'm going to push through. I'm going to make it to the end. And then what does the father do? The father starts the race behind them, starts running, passes them, and makes it to the finish line before they do, right? And um, the kids are so upset, like, how could you do this, you know? You came and you beat us. And he says, I'm not handing you guys anything in life. Anything you want in life, you guys are going to have to go after it. You guys are going to have to earn it. You're going to have mm. to work for it. You're going to have to earn it. Nothing's being handed to you. And I thought, wow. What a message. A message, right? That mm -hmm. stuck with me. It's um, a power message. It is. So they now teach their children, you know, 
like if they're playing a game, sometimes I play a game with my children and for their ego, just because, you know, they're younger or they might not be putting their all into it. I let them win just to build up their, just to make the, just to make them more encouraged, right? And um, make them happy and want to actually do it. Um, that's what I would do. But mm. the message was, no, you can't do that. You have to let your children lose sometimes because they have to learn to win. They have to learn to do a lot of things on their own. Mm-hmm. And that leaves me with this question, like what messages are we actually teaching our children? Like we started off by talking about our parents and how they treat us. What messages are we teaching our children? Mm. Yeah, the, the I believe that, um, you know, we're constantly teaching our kids one way or another, whether we know it or not. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always teaching our children. And so if we say nothing, they're learning. And uh, so what I do is I tend to do st- things purposely with my kids because um, I notice that what I do with them, it's completely the opposite. The mother will do with them. She do completely different. So I'm like, whoa, I got to show them the differences in life here. They were raised in an upper middle class neighborhood. And so one of the things I used to do with them was on the weekends, I would take them to the city of homeless people. So in this city, Long Beach, we have homeless, we have gays, we have have the good, the bad, the ugly in the city. Then I would give them money, we would walk around, I would give them money to hand out to the homeless people. I remember this one older lady, she reminded me of my grandmother. And I felt really bad for her because I could not believe that a lady her age, was a black lady, um, was allowed to be on the streets. She motivated me to go to the, the, the city of Long Beach and speak to the mayor. I was disgusted by it. And even the mayor, I was disgusted by the mayor because right below the the city office where the mayor is, you have hundreds of homeless people and he's up there in his ivory tower looking down at them, you know, calling them names, right? And and so anyways, I, I, you know, I used to teach them that, look, you gotta treat people Correct. There's a few lessons I was trying to get across. The first lesson was that where you live is not the real world. Not everybody can live in that type of neighborhood and have the things you have and grow up the way you're growing up. So I want you to have some kind of appreciation for where you're living, knowing that your parents have worked hard to get to this level so you can have this kind of lifestyle that you have. Private school, nice neighborhoods. They're all, they're, they went to private school since they were three years old, all throughout their school. Even their high school was private schools. <laughs> you know, So they have grown up in more of a privileged lifestyle. And I wanted them to know that that's not everybody. That's not how the world is. Okay. It's only a few get to do what you're doing and yeah. be in the position you at. So I took them there and I want them to know that, hey, this existed. Till this day, they'll remember this because I used to do it every weekend. 
We talk, they talk about it right now. Dad, you remember we used to go to Long Beach and hand out money to the homeless people and yada, 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 da, 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 da. Man, that was so, when I think about those days and the lesson I learned and that, they talk about it. And so I wanted them to understand the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this was a weekend ritual we would do, you know, and we'd do many different things, not just, that was just part of the activity. And I would teach them how to, um, that they need to be able to communicate with the best and communicate and hang with the worst of our society. I want them to understand that, right? So I would take them to the nicest of the nicest places, five-star restaurant, and then I'll take them to the ghetto. Let's go have something on this, you know, street food from these Mexicans. <laughs> you know, they didn't know the difference. They just, they just was enjoying themselves. But I was sending messages to them. You know, one time- so you said yeah. the ghetto, the Mexicans, that's where the ghetto was? No, no, no. The, 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 not only Mexicans, Blacks and Mexicans mm -hmm. that were living in Compton and the ghetto. I'm not talking about, there was a handful of white people here and there. I'm not talking about, I'm not um, uh, pointing out Mexicans. What I'm saying is that, you know, maybe the Mexican guy might be the one with the stall on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So let's go have some street food, you know, for a street burrito, you know. And um, and so I remember one one time we were coming on the highway from downtown because we went downtown. I took them south central Los Angeles, and then we went downtown. And downtown at the time was was not a livable city, it's a workable city, and all it has is just you go there for work, and then you have um Chinatown and Koreatown and homelessness and all, you know what I mean? And not that Chinatown, Koreatown is bad. I'm not referring to it as bad, okay? And then they have this place where you go and you buy different stuff. No, I, people will I have to clear that up because people will think that I'm talking bad about it. But anyways, I just wanted them to have a broader view of life. So I was showing them a broader view of life. I took them to South Central LA where there's, you know, 99.99% black people living, right? So we hang with the blacks. Yeah, I take them to the Jamaican restaurants, which is in South Central LA. Then I take them to the rich black areas in 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 Lamert Park, in in um Baldwin in the hills. hills, Baldwin Hills. I take them to all these different places, right, and show them the difference of how black people are living. I wanted them to know that even though you live in an upper and middle class white neighborhood in Huntington Beach. There, there's black people existed and you're black. Don't forget that, <laughs> right? I wanted them to learn all these things and I wanted them to feel good about their, 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 themselves and the color of their skin, right? Because they're not, you know, they're not white kids. They're dark, dark skin kids, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I remember one time we were coming back and uh, Alexa, you know, uh, wanted to pee. We we're on the highway. And she wanted to pee. And she goes, Dad, I want to pee. Oh, my God, I want to pee so bad. And, you know, I can't tell the kid to hold it, right? She was like, I don't know, six or seven years old. And uh, I said, babe, the only place you have to pee right now is on the street. Are you okay with that? She says, of course I am. You make me pee on the streets all the time. <laughs> and I pulled over on the sidewalk and I've course cracked the doors the the front and the back yeah. doors and there was a wall on the other side and I said go do your thing <laughs> I said you pee and this seven year old girl 
when she's finished, she goes, ah, <laughs> Dad, that was so good. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> I burst up, me and her sister burst out laughing. It was so funny. It was so funny, right? <laughs> you know? And, uh, but the message in that was, you need to be able to relax yourself and fit in into give into situations when you need to. You want to pee? Find a safe spot. Don't piss your pants and go pee because nothing is wrong with it. Don't listen to people who said something is wrong with it and then you give yourself bladder issues by holding it. Go find a safe spot and let it rip. <laughs> right? You know. So I want them to understand that life is full of everything. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, not just where they live, because where they live is like the shiny object every day long. You know, it's nice and shiny and beautiful. The sun is always shining and everything is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's all they were seeing. That's not life. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's my seventh sense and I'm sticking to it. So with your story, I find that really interesting what you just mentioned about your daughters and how you took them into these neighborhoods. I'm thinking in Toronto, which neighborhoods do we have like that, that we would take, I could take my children in. Also, I was actually downtown a last week, Friday night with my husband. Mm -hmm. We went to one of the festivals downtown Q Beach and we were walking and <clears throat> downtown, there's a mixture of everybody. And it was pretty busy. Again, it was a festival. It ended. We were walking back to her car. And somebody walked by me and I jumped. I got so scared. And I realized that um, I live in my own little circle, my own little bubble, my own little world. Mm. Outside of that, I don't think I'm very comfortable. So for me to actually take my children downtown Toronto... Mm -hmm. and walk in certain neighborhoods with, with them. Um, I don't think I could do it anymore. In the past, I could. When I lived in Toronto and I was more comfortable, right now I live in the suburban neighborhood just like you, and I feel like it's two different worlds. It is two different worlds because, um, you know, one world is... Um, seems so superficial and the other world is what really happening you know what is really taking place in life so in your neighborhood and where you live which i do know is a superficial neighborhood that's not the real world no it's it is real world for me yeah no it is superficial because so someone is yours, then your neighborhood that you live in you live like 10 minutes away from me. There's not yeah, but there. mine is, is more on the, 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 <laughs> the lower end, lower Whatever. middle class end. Yours on the upper middle class Whatever, end. Lincoln. Let's be honest here. All right, but continue, the, continue. The thing about it, the reason I'm saying that is when you're downtown Toronto, it's it downtown Toronto have a, mix, have a mixture of different world mm -hmm. because downtown Toronto remind me of uh, some parts of New York, right? You could have a person live in a $5 million penthouse upstairs, a $10 million penthouse. And at the base of the penthouse, there's a homeless guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, sleeping. 
right? Down outside the penthouse, right? Down at the bottom. That's his, that's his, his freaking $5 million um, mm -hmm. outside spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have that mixture of downtown. So you walking out of your penthouse and you see this. I, this reminds me of a story that Donald Trump daughter told her. And she said one time they, they came outside, she and her daughter, she, she and her father. And, and they, when they came out the building, there was a homeless guy there, right? And she said her father turned to her and said, that guy right now is worth more than me, right? That's how broke he was. And I remember when they were telling the story that he was negative $1 million in the hole at one point in his life right say what you will about him he, he's he's you know he's one of them bounce back cat which know how to do it right and so you can't really yeah he have a have a head start um you know his head start is you know is is better than 99 percent of the world population <laughs> you know but to 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 come to come in from behind the eight ball like that minus and to come back yeah, it's it's easier. We can say it's easier because you got all the connections and the this and the that and all that stuff. The point is that that's the real world right there. Because what you're seeing is that the contrast between the haves and the true have-nots. So you're saying the have-nots, that's the real world, and the haves, that's not the real world? Yeah, because that's where that's because you're not in in the haves when you're living in a neighborhood. I'll give you an example. When when this is this is part of the issue with racism. Mm -hmm. Racism, this is a huge part of the issue. Um, why? Because whites never live amongst blacks. And whites always live far away in the uppity, and their neighborhood is always looking spotless and beautiful and everything. So when they, when they are cocooned into their bubble and all they see is this and their children sees is this, when they come out into or by accident see are, uh, in going to a black neighborhood, they're like, ew, ooh, uh, and, and they're with the criticism and the this and how could you live like this and da 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 and, the, and all the other stuff that's why because they were never exposed to the real. That is the real world right there. What they have and where they live is a tiny percentage of the population are able to live like that. That not many people make $200,000 a year, $300,000 a year. It's a handful of the population do that. The, the, that's why they break down the average income in Canada is about $44,000, right? That's the average income. Why they break it? Because the majority of the people in the country make that amount of money. The average income in the U.S., I believe it's, it's $36,000, I believe, or $30,000, something like that. Why? Because that is the highest, that's the larger number of people who make that kind of money. Not the little handful that live in Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. the, two, you know, the two people out of the population. So the real world when I said the real world, I'm referring to the real economy. 
The 36,000 a year people are the ones who keep the economy going. Without them, there won't be any economy because the handful that live in the upper middle class neighborhood cannot keep the economy going. It's not enough. They're the smaller amount. So when I talk about the real world, that's life happening on a daily basis, struggle happening on a daily basis. These people are stronger, tougher, smarter, and harder than they think they are because they, but they just can't see it because they're in the muck doing all of this, but they're fighting for survival every day. Fighting. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting point of view. I never really took that into consideration. My question to our audience is this though, which world do you live in? Do you agree with Lincoln's point of view? Or do you, no, you don't have to, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. The thing about it. They don't have to, but it's something to think about, right? For me, my point of view is regardless if you're rich or poor, um, you do live in the real world, right? Um, I got what you're saying. Yeah. You, you know, that's in, in general, right? In general. But when you're talking to to Maybe someone who is... really hot. Is your AC not working? <laughs> I don't I don't like the AC. It, it blocks up my nose. So oh, you I get congestion. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm with a lot of dust in here too. So it's just going to circulate it. So I don't like... You it. need to invest in an air purifier. That's what I need to get. Um, my Yeah. My next investment. Somebody tried to sell me one the other day. I said, no, I go buy one at um, Kinko's for $10. Not Kinko's, but you know what I'm saying. Where is Kinko's, by the way? Kinko's, there's no more Kinko's, right? They're no. out of business? And they don't sell them for $10 either, Lincoln. I, I know they don't. I'm just talking about, <laughs> I'm talking Walmart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyways, the, when I said the, the real world, what I'm talking about is it is not that you in the suburbs, living your life the way you live in are not in the real world. What I'm saying is that you don't, in most cases, in many cases, you're not fighting to survive. Maybe you are, but it doesn't look like it. The people on the other hand, in the opposite world, they are fighting to survive and they look like they're fighting to survive. You know, there are families, you know, of 10, living in one bedrooms that we don't hear about. You know what? I, I I do know about that too. And I always wish that, you know, my family was one of those families where we all bought a house together. We all mm-hmm. lived together. We all saved our money. And then we all moved on because we were able to accumulate a good amount of wealth by being able to save. And then we we branch out and buy our own properties, right? As they said in Jamaica. We had done something like that. As they said in Jamaica, you're half idiot. You don't know black people don't do things like that. What happened to you? We are very independent people. We are, we want to have our own little thing, our own this, our own that. And this comes from, I don't know where it came from, why we're so um, independent and we can't come together and see the bigger picture. No, because I know I, I so many families it. that did that. I've I, I I, known so a lot myself. Families. Shit, I know a lot of Filipinos do that. A lot of Indians do that. I have one black Jamaican family in the U.S. that did that. Yeah. Right? They, they didn't live in the same house. They all live on their own. But what they did was that the one that's making it helped everybody to buy a house. Yeah. Yeah, the one that was making it, there was one making it in a position 
doing very well for herself. And then everybody else, she said, okay, you need to get a house. Let's go get your house. Then this one, let's go get you a house. Then this one, then everybody, before and everybody have their own house. Yeah. And she, she, she started that. And so that's the only time, of, the only time I've ever seen it with my own eyes in the black community. No. I've but seen I've seen it. it several times in the Filipino communities. I've seen it several times in the um, the Indian community. And, and I've seen it here in the Chinese community because I, I have a couple of Chinese friends. I knew this family, multi-generational family. They all lived together. There was like 10 of them. And there was, I think, um, two or three bedrooms. But 10 of them lived together. And when they left to go out, I was like, how do they afford it? Because I automatically made the assumption they all lived together because they were poor. Because they would be in the newest of the newest of name brands when they left. They all seemed well put together when they left. You'd never really, they lived in an apartment. There was barely anything there. It was extremely minimal, right? They have their plan. They have their plan, yeah. They live they, there. These things are not just happening on accident. I know, I know. Yeah. It's not, it's not. You know, you know what, I, 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 I just saw this happen uh, last year. Last year I saw this and I go, I have a friend of mine Oh, and I talked to my, my brother-in-law about this five years ago, 10 years ago. And just, they, they're not interested. I have a friend of mine last year, Chinese. It's an acquaintance, a friend of a friend. And she and her friend teamed up. She couldn't afford a million dollar house. Because the houses, you know, they were going for over 1.2 yeah. million. But, mm -hmm. but she and her friend teamed up. And both of them went in and bought this house together. Right? And guess what? They were so smart about it. Um, she went and lived there. The friend already have a house. So she went and lived there. Rent out the rest of the house. Because she didn't need all this house for herself. Mm -hmm. And then some of that money pay the mortgage and all the bills and they, and they keep some for maintenance and split the difference between. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they, they ended up buying another property together this year because that one was going so well and it increased and they get a line of credit and they pull the line and yeah. go do the same thing on another one. And I'm going, I talked to my brother-in-law yeah. about this 10 years ago, <laughs> more than 10 years ago. And he wasn't interested. I talked to him about it like 10 times and there was no interest. And I couldn't understand why there was no interest. The man was in construction <laughs> you know, at, the, at the time. That's what he was doing. I talked to my brother about this. Yeah, we could, I, couldn't get, I couldn't get anybody to do it with me. You know, doing something like that is how you build generational wealth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I overheard a conversation one time. I was in a, a coffee shop having a coffee with my brother. And there was 
three, there was two Chinese and a Korean guy um, sitting at the table next to us. And the reason I know one was Korean is because I know what Koreans look like, number one. And number two, he was on the phone at one point speaking Korean. And the other two were speaking to each other in Mandarin. So I knew they were, they were Chinese and he was Korean. And so in this conversation they were having, they have to speak English because apparently they didn't speak each other language. Mm -hmm. So we, I could hear what they were talking about. We could hear mm -hmm. what they were talking about. The three of them sitting down planning to buy a building and they're talking about the building and all this stuff and yes, and this and that. And so I said to my brother, he's sitting right in front of me. I said, you see that? This is why they're wealthy. This is why they have money. That's what me and you should be doing. If you sit and look, give me. <laughs> I don't understand why we're not able to grasp this concept. And it bothers me, you know. But um, I, I even had my very best friend. I can try to convince them. I started the business. I go out. I look in. I do everything in the U.S., I couldn't bring him on board. It was just so not, they're so not there with it. And it's, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get, I don't know if it's a black thing, but I've only seen this mostly in the black community. I do not see it in the Asian community. I, I do not see it in the white community. Um, I see it only in the black community. Um, I'm sure it's happening in other communities, but I'm just telling you what I know. This is where I see it. And I do not understand the reason for us not being able to join for forces and team up and make this thing work. I hear you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And it's um, something that makes me ask the question, why? Why are we not doing more of that? Why are we yeah. not trying to help ourselves more and help our family? Why? It's the strangest thing strangest thing you know the the it's easier to get ahead when you have a head start people somehow don't realize that when you're when your kids don't have a head start they're fighting an uphill battle go out and get your own and start on your own i'm starting from zero i got zero what do you want me to do right give me a head start you know, I was talking to this one um, white guy one time and he was doing well in his life. And he said something that made me think. And this is how his parents, both his parents are doctors. And I realized why he think the way he, he thinks. He said, I wanna have, I wanna give my kids such a head start that they are ways ahead of everybody else when they're just starting out. When you think they're at the gate, uh-uh, they're ways ahead. So I said, I want to give each one of them like five, $10 million to start with. That's how far ahead I want them to start, mm -hmm. right? So I'm preparing that right now. And I, 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 that, that, that sinks in so deep inside of me Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. You know, we don't have that. To, to, we don't have those type of plans. 
that plan, those plans came from his parents. Yeah. You could tell where it came from. He's, both parents are doctors. You know, they gave him a head start. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful story. And it just brings us back to right where we started this conversation this morning. Mm. What messages are you teaching your children? Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. Um, because I, I want the best for my children. But now I've got to reassess what am I actually doing to encourage them and to give them a head start. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that's my takeaway. That's my sweetener. Um, what am I doing? Am I doing enough to give yeah. them that head start so that they're at the finish line when people are just starting? Like, just where out. am I? Where mm -hmm. am I in that race? Because at times it does seem like life is a race. It is a race. And, and when you look at the people who are winning and you're so far behind, it, it really crushes you because you can't understand the reasons for you not win, being able to win like them. Yeah. It is very confusing. And then you have everybody, the whole world telling the whole world telling you, you can do it. You can have what this guy have. You just got to keep going and keep doing this. And then you do that for 30 years and you still don't catch up not even two meters you know from where you were 30 years ago <laughs> i do believe though um life happens there are things that um get thrown at us all the time Constant. But if you do have a plan and you do set a time frame i do think you can accomplish it so like 30 years is a stretch i do think if you say i'm going to do this and you stick to it and you go and you look at your plan, you look at your goals daily, and you do at least one thing on that list daily, you're going to get somewhere. You will accomplish it. I, I believe, I used to think that, but I don't think that anymore. Um, because I, I, I learned to accept that I don't have any control in the outcome. And because the outcome is the most disappointing part when it doesn't come close to your expectations and it doesn't come close to what you have in paper, and you bust your ass off, and you work hard, and then when you look at it, then it's nowhere near where you want to get to. So you before, that's how I used to do it, and that's how I used to. That's what I was taught to that, but then I had to change because um, I don't have any control over the outcome. So yes, I do all of this, and yes, that's where I want to get to, I'm a fight like hell to get to there. But you know what? I'm going to accept whatever outcome um, at the end of the day because I, I just want to make sure that I do my best. And when I feel that I'm doing my best, I want to do better than that. So I push myself beyond my best. And whatever that leads to at the outcome, uh, I, can, I can accept that because I know that I give it yeah. what I got. Yes. I have a correction to make. I said, I believe, I shouldn't say I believe, I should say, I know. I know this mm -hmm. as a fact. Mm -hmm. Once you do it and you practice every day, it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I do agree with you that um, we cannot control the outcome, but it's we cannot control the outcome of others. No. 
I look at my life and I could reflect on things that I have done and I was able to control the outcome and I got my desired results. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can 100% control my desired outcome. I cannot control yours. I, I don't I cannot control either. anybody yeah. else's. Yeah, because we, we can't see the future. So I we don't can't. think that no, so I don't think that we have the power to control our outcome. We don't know what's gonna happen in the next second or the next minute. So we cannot control the outcome unless we can see the future. What we can do, however, is help the universe um in the direction of where we want to go. Work right. together with the universe or God, whoever you want to call it. All right. So said, okay, I'm thing. going down that path. This is where I'd like to get to. Can you please help me to get to this path? Because I'm willing to do whatever it takes. That is my take on it. I don't, I don't think, I think if we can look into the future, we can control the outcome. But if we can't look into the future, we cannot control the outcome because we do not know what's going to happen. Right, but so we can navigate and adjust when it happens. Okay. So I can, I'm, just like your reflection report, you look at things that you've done in the past so you know you can do it again. Mm -hmm. So in the past, when I was working for a corporation, um, if I was applying for a job now, I would look at the job and uh, look at the requirements, and then I would go and do my research. I would do mock interviews. I would do everything. And then... I would prepare myself for that day. I'd go on the interview. Guess what? I would uh, do the interview in my head. I probably didn't do all that well. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I felt that I did really well. But in the end, I got the job, right? Mm -hmm. And I, it was my desired outcome. Like I planned what I was going to do and how I was going to get the job. And then I let it go. I left it in the hands of the universe. I got the mm -hmm. job. I would plan ahead. If I was going to go on a trip, right, um, I would say I want to go to Disney in the summertime on a family vacation. And I would plan this probably a year in advance, book the trip, pay for it. Desired outcome was to go and have a wonderful time. And I did, right? Mm -hmm. When I was going back to school, I planned that I was going to go back to school. It's going to save the money go back to school, and this was my de desired result, and I got it. My point is, I planned ahead, and when I planned ahead, it came to fruition. I was able to accomplish these things, right? So mm -hmm. everybody is different, 100%. Of of For course. me, I know as a fact, every time I planned ahead and I stuck to it, it worked out, mm -hmm. right? I didn't waver. I put it out there, and I did it, mm -hmm. and that worked for me. And that's my sweetener. We're all different. Look at yourself, reflect on what you've done, how you accomplished it, and use those steps to accomplish your next goal, to get your next job, to go on your next vacation, to make a million dollars a year, whatever it is you want to do. Look at what you've done in the past, tweak it a bit, and go forward to make it work. Mm. Would you like to add anything with your sweetener, Lincoln? Well, you know, the thing about it is um, we, we started about the, the, uh, the kids, right, and starting out. 
And I think that if we start teaching our kids, that, that story you told about the father, um, you know, and the race with the children is a very powerful story because uh, I think if we start teaching our kids at a young age, um, we can be farther ahead. Even if we're not starting out um, farther ahead financially, we could mm -hmm. be starting out farther ahead mentally and emotionally which sometimes is much better than financially because when you have that solid as a rock thinking and mindset then and be able to manage yourself effectively knowing that um, nobody's going to hand me anything i got to go and get it on my own then your determination and somehow your your spirits your attitude and all of those things just start falling into place and and you ended up doing some of the you know achieving some incredible stuff so i think that story is very powerful and we need to start um with our kids at a very young age and i think that's Definitely. important for us to do that and that's my seventh sense and i'm sticking to it that is awesome thank you so much lincoln and on that note i would like to thank you all for making lemonade with us today be good to yourself be grateful lemonade. for all that you have give thanks because you do have a lot also, also, please subscribe to Lemonade Lounge Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, right? And email us at info at LemonadeLounge.com. That's info at L-M-N-A-I-D-Lounge.com for any inquiries or to be on our show. We're grateful that you took the time out to listen to us today. And please leave your seven cents in the comment section. Thank you. Make it a great week till we see you again next week. Bye.